Good morning. I feel like a stranger. I haven't been at this pulpit for a couple weeks, but um, I heard it was great last week that JJ spoke and Casimir the week before. Hope you were blessed. Uh, being on vacation was uh, kind of nice. Being with my adult children, my son and his wife, uh, they kept me laughing, and my daughter-in-law kept us hiking and busy every day. She had our schedule all planned out, and we just had to make sure we were up and running when it was time to go. But uh, kind of like starting our vacation, you know, we went to our annual MFI conference in Portland, and just the Ministers Fellowship International gathers, and a lot of the churches that are um, just non-denominational gather, and it's been probably almost 30 years, and it's a great place for fellowship and connecting with pastors, and David Canis Tracy in our region, we had a couple of meetings with him, and uh, he, he did a, uh, like, a, like a small workshop that um, some of us went to. And it was just a great experience. And then on Wednesday night, we, f- we were going to the airport. We flew out of Portland to go to um, uh, Calgary. And it was interesting, while we were waiting for Ben and his wife to pick us up, um, Dory was kind of inside because the ice was all over the ground. They had just had an early snowstorm, and it was cold. And so as I stood out on the curb waiting uh, for Ben and Jen, I got to talk to um, this Filipino... Um, like a, he was like a liaison, kind of like just helping people with cars and transportation and stuff, and we began to talk. And um, it was just such an awesome opportunity to have a man so open for the gospel and to just share about Jesus. And he started telling me, he goes, wow, I've never experienced a, a, a man like you. And I thought, like, man, what, is he, what are you talking about? He said, I just feel the love and the, just how open you are and how friendly you are. He goes, most people are just so busy and mean and they're harsh. And he said, you, you must be a CEO. I go, no, I'm just a pastor of a church. And just began to share Jesus with them. And he was so open. His eyes started to tear up. And I, he said, you know, I get off in 20 minutes. I said, when you get in your car, ask Jesus to come into your heart. It'll be the most profound thing that happens to you. And you're going to begin this relationship with God. This is going to be the most powerful thing. I thought, wow, I'm starting my vacation and I'm already being able to just share Jesus. And we had a number of experiences um, where we were on vacation just sharing Jesus Christ with people. We had another couple uh, in a hotel toward the end of our vacation. And uh, they were from New Zealand and just real uh, business people. He was telling me about all his big car collection and all the places in uh, New Zealand. He had uh, just built a whole area in the community and uh, just had a lot of money and how they were always just traveling and, and enjoying life. And just began to share with them about Jesus. And he said, wow, we're all heathens. There's only 7% of us in, in New Zealand that even go to church or think about God. And, and he just kept calling himself a heathen, but he was just open to the gospel. He's just open. He had everything. Began to just share about Jesus and being born again and having your spirit made alive so that when you die, you go to, to be with the Lord. You go to heaven. But right now, being able to experience God and have this relationship with him and just left him and his wife with just that place of being able to just think about God and came into our prayers a number of times since we've been there, just sharing and believing that that God was going to help him to make a decision. But it was just great being away. And I just love, though, for me, I think having cancer two years ago and even taking little vacations, I felt like this time I was able to really just unplug and let go and just be open kind of to hear what God was saying. I'm just really excited about what God is doing. And I don't know about you, but you know, 
God saves us and we receive Jesus and we start on this journey. And a lot of times we start with such excitement and, you know, such passion. Maybe we have a vision for what God wants to do. And then it seems like we're just kind of stuck in this middle place. We're just kind of like, okay. And we sing those songs about uh, waiting and uh, he's the miracle worker. And sometimes we're stuck in this middle place and we're waiting for God to do something he promised. Or we're waiting for things to change. I think a lot of times Satan tries to discourage us about our journey. But, you know, the Bible says that the glory of the Lord will be like the waters that cover the earth. And I tell you, there's something building in the spiritual realm where God is working and revival is going to come. Revival is going to come and change our, us as Christians and it's going to change the world around us. We're going to see people come to the Lord with such brokenness and repentance and such a desire to change their life that it's going to be a profound thing for us to watch. We need a revival. We need constant change and transformation that renews our passion for God and for the things that he's called us to do. And in the places where we feel like kind of passive or kind of like bored or kind of like disconnected, I tell you, we're ripe for revival. And before I go on any more about that, I just want to uh, I want to talk about a few other things and then I want to talk about examining our love. In Exodus 25, 8, it says that God is in his sanctuary. And God said to Moses, and let them make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. And I don't know if you're feeling a lot of God's presence today, but he's here. He's here right now. And he's working in your life. And you may be sitting there, and I know I get kind of cynical myself as a Christian, and I think, well, where are you, God? I had this analogy. God, I feel like a server where I'm taking your order, and I'm telling God all the things I know about you that you have needs, and I feel like God is the cook, and I'm saying, come on, you're not delivering what they need, what they ordered. And sometimes we can get frustrated because we're in between what God's doing. But I tell you, God is faithful. Like the song we sang, his timing is perfect. And God is working to bring about the answers to your prayers, the healing of your body, the resources that you need to live, the finances you need, and also the passion to use your gift for the body of Christ. But he is in his sanctuary today. Back when Moses was beginning to just walk with God and bringing the people into a place where they could understand and experience worship like we're experiencing it was about he wanted us together he wanted us as a body so local bodies all over the world meet to experience christ and to grow in their love together and to their love for the lord then i was just really uh looking at jeremiah eighteen six and that familiar story about jeremiah going down to the potter's house the potter's house, the sanctuary, our worship experience is a place for incredible transformation. It's a place for us to experience God's working as we're together. In those holy moments where we come on Sunday or Wednesdays and we're not sure what God's going to do, but we know he's here because he's in the sanctuary, but what is he going to do in us? Jeremiah wrote this. O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, 
as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. And I want you to realize that you are in God's hand right now. You're in the very palm of his hand, and he's holding you. You may feel alone. You may feel like he's not holding you, but he's holding you. His hand is so large. He holds the whole universe in his hands. He's holding you, and he's working. You might want to say, God, you're holding me in your hand. You got me. You got my situations. You got my concerns. You got the things that are stressing me out. You got my finances. You got my future. You got the brokenness I'm experiencing. You got the pain that I'm carrying. You got the feelings of hopelessness that I carry. You got the feeling sometimes where I'm lost. You're holding my hand. You're holding me in your hand. In Psalms 77, 13 and 14, the psalmist wrote, Your way, your best way for us, your way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. God is going to do wonders for each of us because each of us has things that God does for us that causes us to sit back and be in awe of him. And it may not be every day, although there's probably things if we stop and really took it in, we could say, this is a wonder. This is incredible what God has done for me. And some of the things we just take naturally in stride and we just like don't really think much about it. But God is constantly caring for us. But I tell you, there are things God is going to do for you that you're going to sit back and say, this is a wonder. This is a very miraculous thing. Your God is a God who does wonders. <clears throat> We're going to kind of go through um, 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. <clears throat> to me, these verses are the meat of the love chapter. And if you're like me, when you read the chapter, you think like, I ain't got this kind of love working in me. <clears throat> but we want to just kind of review it together. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own, is not provoked. It thinks no evil and does not rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things, and love endures all things. Love never fails. We know this chapter is about God's love. And as Christians, we read the word to uh, get kind of like uh, an overlay of how God wants us to love. And I don't know about you, but for me, I feel so short when I read this chapter. But it makes me come to the place where, God, you got to have your love working through me. Holy Spirit, I need you to make the love of God work in my life so that I am representing Jesus to the people around me, to my friends, to the people in church, so that that love can bring that connection 
with God and with each other. <clears throat> the test of what kind of love we live. Love, the God kind of love, suffers long and is kind. I don't know about you, but I don't suffer too long with my love. I get short, I get irritated, agitated, frustrated. Dory would say amen to that. This trying to recover from our flood four months ago, it's been very frustrating. At, at times, we're intensely moving things around. We finally got a little flooring upstairs this week, and we were having to move everything around, and um, I was kind of a little impatient with her, and uh, I wasn't walking in the kind of love I should have walked. So this really echoed to me that I need more of the Holy Spirit to make God's love work in me. Are you suffering right now trying to give love to someone in your family? God's love suffers long and is kind. God's love suffers and remains kind. Maybe you got some thoughts coming in uh, against you, condemning you. Remember, God's love is kind. God's love is constant and the same for you. It's not harsh. It's not unforgiving. It's very patient with you. Don't let the enemy beat you up with your own self because you're falling short. Keep surrendering and ask the Holy Spirit to work God's love in you so that you can be kind. You might want to ask yourself this question. Is my love the kind that suffers long and remains kind? God's love is not puffed up. It's not proud. It's not arrogant. Sometimes I think when we know things, we're confident. And sometimes it can come across like we're proud or arrogant. God's love does not behave rudely. <clears throat> Do you find yourself as a Christian behaving rudely sometimes? God's love doesn't behave that way. God's love does not seek its own. Do you find, like most of us do, that our selfishness is just always right there, promoting our way, trying to get its way, trying to persuade people or manipulate people to get what it wants? God's love does not seek its own. When we're really allowing the Holy Spirit to work His love in us, there's a trust that happens where God really takes care of our needs without us having to be selfish. God's love is not provoked. Do you ever are doing really good and you're putting a smile on your face, you're practicing love, but then all of a sudden you get provoked and that love just slips away and you find yourself being all rude and hateful? Yeah, it happens to most of us. People in situations trigger our self-preservation mode and we react. God's love thinks no evil. Do you ever find yourself battling with negative thoughts or judgmental thoughts or evil thoughts? God's love doesn't think evil. Our next question is, does God's love motivate your thoughts in difficult situations? Do you find yourself when you're in difficult situations relying on God and drawing on Him to have different thoughts and have thoughts that rise above the situation? Do you have evil thoughts towards those who you are struggling with? happens sometimes, huh? What about the truth? It says God's love rejoices in truth. Are you excited when truth is made real? Or you discover truth? Or do you get irritated sometimes because of truth? Because it maybe convicts you or shows you something that you have to change. 
When someone tells you the truth about yourself, do you receive it? I think that can be one of the hardest things, is letting someone tell you something about a blind spot you have and then receiving it graciously. And so you can let God work on that area in your life. It says that God's love bears all things. Do you get overwhelmed easily about situations and things? Do they add weights and heaviness on your soul, your emotions? What has become unbearable to you? God's love believes all things. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves we're, we're in the midst of different things that God's love still believes the best. It still holds on to something positive and truthful. It still rises above whatever's trying to make you feel like you cannot bear this any longer. God's love enables us to believe His words, His promises, what He says about us in Jesus Christ. What has stopped you from believing? I think some of the biggest things we go through is like especially being stuck in the middle of waiting and in the middle of seasons where you don't feel God or we're waiting for the next move of God or a revival. How is our faith? Do we need to ask God to help us with unbelief or even forgive us? Sometimes I, I just have to say, God, will you just forgive me? I feel like I have a lot of unbelief right now. I'm really kind of down on myself and down on my situations. Will you forgive me for unbelief? We're told to walk by faith, not by sight, and yet all of us have things to walk by sight all the time. And yet, God calls us to walk by faith. He calls us to rise above our circumstances and believe. Do you have hope? God's love hopes all things. Hope is to be that place that holds you while you're waiting for the promise. It's supposed to help you in your faith as you're waiting for the promise and to help you to rise above the negativity can, can affect your attitude and your emotions about life. God's love endures all things. What does it mean for you to endure? Are you going through something now where you feel like, I just can't, I can't make it anymore. I can't carry this any longer. The Holy Spirit can help you to endure until God lifts the situation or changes whatever that is. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. So we have a good thing to lean on that God's love is something that's not going to fail us. And it's something he's going to work in us by his Holy Spirit. So God's love is carrying out all these things we've read this morning about love. The Holy Spirit administers God's love in Romans 5, 5. It says, The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's a promise that God is going to allow his love to be administered to us by the Holy Spirit. And he's constantly pouring it into our hearts. That's so much a part of why we come in worship and while you on your own, when you get up in the morning and you feel like you're beginning to just face the whole day and you can get really negative really quick, that you begin to just thank the Lord. You begin to worship the Lord and thank Him because the Holy Spirit is in our praise and worship. And the Holy Spirit, when you're stirring yourself up and uh, trying to move from your, your own uh, feelings and emotions and the negative things about the day, 
You start relying on the Spirit of God and the worship of God that pours in the Holy Spirit, the love of God into your heart so you can then move from your heart instead of your emotions and that can be on your church lead. In Galatians 5.22, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And the other manifestations are joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. All those things that are qualities of the Holy Spirit's love in our lives that helps us overcome and live an overcoming life each day. Our key verse today is 1 Corinthians 16.14. Do everything from love. That's really a whole new adjustment for us. This, these few verses in 1 Corinthians 13 can help us as we live our life and allow the Holy Spirit to manifest a greater amount of His love through our lives. Just before our altar, I just want us as a church to really start kind of focusing on revival. You know, in our, our last Sunday, we were able to go to um, Glad Tidings Church in, in Victoria. And it was a church that happened to be celebrating their 95th anniversary. And when I looked out over the congregation, I thought, man, Lord, if, if you don't do something in the next 10 years, this church is going to be empty. Because most of the people were probably in their 80s. But they had a, a young group rising up in their midst, too. But they were talking about revival. They were talking about in five years, we want to celebrate our 100 years with great excitement about the kingdom of God and what's doing. But they also talked about the pastor who had been there um, for 25 years before the new pastor got up and they asked him to share. And he, he came in and he shared and talked about the different revivals that had gone on. And there are series and seasons that we go through that are revival times when the Holy Spirit begins to move powerfully. Like at the beginning of the, of the last century, in like 1906, when you know, Azusa Street happened. And there was a great revival and people were repenting and coming to the Lord and having their lives changed. And we've seen different revivals through the years that stir people up to, with a passion to surrender their lives and serve God. We saw during the Jesus movement, a lot of people that came into the church I grew up in, uh, Dave Sell, who's uh, over the Northern California Bible College and pastored a church and was an elder in the church we came from got saved in the, in the Jesus movement where there was a radical transformation from just immorality and drugs and everything to a radical 180 degree where righteousness and purity and holiness and serving God and loving God and being filled with the Holy Spirit and using the gifts of the Spirit and just an excitement and a passion to serve God and, and to minister. We need revival. But you know what it comes out of? It comes out of being tired of being complacent. It gets tired of just being tired of the status quo. So, status quo, but, and it comes where you, you just get tired of your own passivity and your own, your own disconnection from God, and your own religiousness. When I came back this week, I kind of went off with our intercessors on Thursday. It just kind of broke me free. I just started crying out to God what I wanted to see, and asking forgiveness for getting a cold heart and becoming complacent and religious. That's what begins to happen when we stir ourselves to want what God wants for us, to repent for attitudes and complacency and places we have allowed ourselves to go because God didn't do what we thought he should do. 
But when we do that, it's like it stirs this excitement about God and our heart gets tender before him and we feel that humility before, before God and we set ourselves up. Jesus says, if my people will humble themselves or pray, that he will forgive our sins and heal our land. But it's on us first. It's on us. But what would happen if just this church began to come together and began to just say, God, we want revival, but started in me, changed me. God, do something in my heart where I have a, a care for people that I haven't had, where I have a care for you, God, and I put you first, and I begin to adjust in my life around your priorities. What would that be like? What would that do? It was a handful of people when Jesus died and came back. It was those 12 apostles that sent a revival through the land. And then when they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, continued building the church and still is going on today. In Isaiah 57, um, Isaiah prophesied, and this got written down, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is Holy, I dwell in a high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. It is the Holy Spirit that keeps bringing us back to repentance and revival. It is the Holy Spirit that gets us tired of where we are spiritually and just kind of creates this fight in us to rise up. Andrea's word was so powerful because it's true. We are building. But if we're not connected with God by prayer, if we're not connected emotionally and spiritually with God, we're just functioning and we're barely doing God's work. But if we're doing God's work and we're not doing it with, with that warfare attitude or with that connection with God in the Spirit, we're just, war, we're just working in our flesh. We're just doing religious works. But if we're passionate for God and we're praying and we're asking for revival, if we're asking for God to change us, then whatever we do in our, with our spiritual gift is powerful because we're using our gift, but we're warring with God and we're warring for people and we're connected spiritually and our heart is alive and on fire for God. The definition of revive is to live. As Christians, we should be the most excited people on the earth. You should be the happiest person in your surroundings, in your family, on your job. Revive is to keep, that God is the one that keeps us. That revival spirit, that unction from God is what keeps us. Another definition is to make alive. It is, it is a place where God is continually making us alive just by his grace that our spirit is alive and staying in our body. When our spirit leaves, our body's dead. But it is our spirit that gives us life. And since we're born again with Christ, there, there's this incredible union with God's spirit and our spirit because God is spirit. And the more we read the word and the more we worship and the more we pray and connect with God, our spirit gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And we receive that revival because we're connected with the living God. Revive also means to give a promise of life. God has promised us with life now, but how many of us have promises from the future? As we read the word, how many times the word jumps off and becomes alive in our spirit and it becomes another promise that we write down? that we're going to see God accomplish in our life. A promise of life. Revive means to let live. That God wants you to live in a greater way than you've ever lived on your own before Him. To revive means to nourish. That God wants to nourish you. He nourishes you in spirit, and then it, it flows into your soul. It flows into your emotions, your attitude, your feelings. 
It flows into your body. When your soul and your spirit are connected, John says that it causes there to be health in your body. To quicken, to make alive, is revive. To revive is to recover. Is there something you need to recover from? Are you recovering from a sinful lifestyle? Are you recovering from a trauma? Are you recovering from being a victim about something? God wants you to revive. He doesn't want anything to hold you from your past. He doesn't want anything to have a hold on you. He wants you to be revived, to live again, to be whole, to be restored to life. In Habakkuk's prayer, in Habakkuk 3.2, O oh Lord, I have heard your speech, and I was afraid. O oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of years. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Today, as we have empty chairs in here, we're saying, God, remember that you're the one that wanted this church. It wasn't any man's idea. Revive your work. And so we stand in the middle, and our advisors and our team believe that God is going to fulfill many promises he's made about this church. And I was sitting there in that church last week, had 95 years, and I'm thinking, man, we've been working, we're starting to work on our 20th year now this year. And I'm thinking, when I'm gone, if, if the Lord should tarry, will this church still be going? And I have to believe and say yes, because it was God's design that this church be started.